Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, featuring Jaguars.com senior writer John Osher and Jaguars executive producer Dave DeCandis. I like to go at the top here, Dave, off the beaten path with the Ozone Podcast. So we'll get to football with our guest, who we won't mention because there's a little bit of mystery there. Uh, but I want to talk today about quarantine hair. You can't see Dave. I can see Dave because it's a Zoom podcast. Dave the hair. Eh, what are we doing here? It's fluffy. That's what it is. It, now the front it of it's fluffy. weird. My hair has just grown in the front. So I'm like right in between my eyes in the front. And in the back, it has not grown, which growing up, I've, I was growing up, I was, has always, have always been to rock music. I was really into punk rock as a teenager, and I always sure. wanted like long, the long, shorter-length, shaggy hair. And I tried to grow it in college, and it couldn't. And I found out my hair doesn't grow down, it grows up. So I basically okay. had like a afro when I was a freshman in college with big mutton chops. Ironically, that's when my wife met me, and she still stayed around and met me. But it, yeah, it, wow. when it gets long, it gets, it gets uh, pretty... Uh, it, it, it's a scene. It, it's a thing. Have you had the haircut yet or no? Oh, no, I have You're not. Still... I, I want to see where it goes. It's less about like, okay, well, I know things are opening up and stuff. You I'm not, I'm not really right. <laughs> I'm not really concerned about <laughs> the hair actually getting cut. I just want to see what happens. I kind of want to just yeah see where it goes until it gets like to a point where it's just not controllable. I did trim my beard though during this. I let that go for a while. Well, you you know now have the facial hair, which looks very know, dapper. We're the facial hair now, and uh, but I made the the key tactical uh, pre quarantine error error of uh, I think I got my hair cut about three weeks before the combine, as I recall, or maybe right before the combine, because easy to go up there because I got to do a lot of TV, so I wanted to make sure you know all that, and then right before the the shutdown about two days before the shutdown my son was going to get his hair cut and i thought well maybe i should but there was still that feeling before the shutdown if you recall that it wasn't real like you knew it was real but it was it, it was it was hard to believe that that was really going to happen so i think i sort of convinced myself that fun i've i still got a couple of days or just or just kind of lost track of it and then the very last day i went to the place where I usually cut my hair, I usually just do a walk-in, and it and it already closed. And at that point, I felt like that was my first feeling of the movie, like I Am Legend, when he was sort of alone and there was and there's nobody there. You just had this uh, cloud of dread coming over you. <laughs> of society changing. So now it's been two months, and it, it's 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 slicked back, and I've gotten many comments, and I and believe me, I hear them from people listening. Hey, you don't look like Drew Carey anymore. What's wrong? So it's definitely changed that. And uh, I don't know if I'll cut it as short as I had it, but we'll see. So That's uh, awesome. That's a great story. It is amazing story. to me, Dave, how much uh, of a alternate universe you, that you feel like you're in right now. Because I know I'm quarantined. I was talking to me on the phone about this the other day. I know I'm quarantined. And I know what my routine is, and I, I'm alone in the house. It's still weird to me when I talk to people. Like uh, we talked to our guest today, we talked to Michael Silver last week. 
it's still odd when I talk to other people and realize that they really are doing it too. It still (laughs) feels like something only you're like, nobody's going to the stadium right now. And we all know that because again, to tell people what goes on each week, we have a Jaguars team meeting, which is our president, Mark Lamping talking to people. And it's still odd when I look there and see that Mark's not talking from the office. He's talking from his plush digs and pot of, you know, he's, he's actually talking from home. And, and that's the only time that I get a real feeling of, Oh, the entire world's doing this, not just me. It's still an odd feeling that this is real and it's not just sort of me being told, no, John, you have to stay home. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's funny, like out in my neighborhood, like me and my family will go take a walk, you know, every day, every other day or whatever. And it's funny to see it's like all of a sudden, like all these neighbors are out walking around that you've never seen before. It's like, oh, hey, what's right. going on? Hey, it's just and funny. So it's like you never want to see yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. So that's always, I always think that's kind of, uh, is you get so caught up in what you have going on that you forget like, right. Hey, everything else, everybody else is affected by this, but I was smart. Too, it's different for us. I know your wife has been home. Uh, my wife has been for her fortunate enough because she likes to work. Her job was deemed essential. She's at a place, uh, she works for a manufacturing it was deemed essential. So she's really been going to work every day, except maybe one day a week short from home. And my son who lives with us, he's also been going to work. So I guess to me, it feels like I'm the only one because they've been out of the house and they've seemed fairly normal. So yeah. I know a lot of people are, have been doing the both uh, people at home thing. And that's, I don't think we'd handle that very well. We'll get to our guest today. who I'm really excited about Nice segue, right, Dave? No, it's good. It's, uh, a player that I respected as much as any player I've ever covered in terms of talking to him in the locker room. A guy who always had incredible perspective on the game and incredible respect for the game. I know it's hard for him to walk away from the game. And I'm anxious to uh, talk to him about those things today. Former Jaguars linebacker, still sounds weird to say that, former Jaguars linebacker, Paul Pablesny. Paul, how are you? Good. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, it's... uh, it's odd. I'll be honest. It's still odd not to talk to you in the locker room every week. Um, I always enjoyed your perspective on football. We'll get into football later on, but take me through what you're doing. I know I talked to you at your retirement ceremony. And then I think last summer for a series we were doing, but what has life been like and uh, just the details of what you've been doing since football? I know you, you said it's, it's, it's odd for you. It's very odd for me not to be, not to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. It still feels. I mean, this is going on. You know, once this season starts, it'll be year three away from the game. Um, but it still feels different, and it's been a, it's been an interesting process trying to figure out what's next. You know, once once I stopped playing, I started a graduate school program to get my MBA um, in an effort, kind of just to learn what else is out there. I, I had a great opportunity. To, in my first year out of ball to work um, at Malone Air Charter, lo- local air charter right. company that, um, you know, just a chance to be around aviation and aircraft and be surrounded by great people. And that was, that was an unbelievable opportunity. I loved every day of it. And, and that and was now, a passion for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've right. always, um, you know, I always loved everything about aviation. You know, my, my the father was a, a longtime aircraft mechanic for U.S. Air and then American. Uh, so was always around in some aspect, and I guess I just wanted to learn more. And then 
you left that to go pursue graduate school? I was do doing both. Okay. Started graduate school and, and was doing that. And then actually I had another opportunity came up that had that was more geared toward, I guess, my educational background. That was with TIA Bank. So I'm actually with okay. TIA right now. I was joking with you beforehand. I, I wanted to stay connected to the Jaguars in, in some way. So um, it took the, the corporate relationship. But the, another thing, great people. Um, awesome learning experience, and, and I, I love what I'm what I'm doing. And it's a uh, it's more uh, associated with with my education and the MBA program that I'm in. So it's been an unbelievable experience. Now, what motivated you? Clearly, um, you did financially well in football, so you had options after football. What motivated you to want to go TIA Bank to stay in that route? Because that's that's hard work. You probably wouldn't have to do that yet. I think that the biggest thing was, you know, getting away from the, from the game, you, you almost, you almost try to find something that replicates it in, in a yeah. sense of not obviously not the, not the on field aspect, but being a part of a team, um, you know, being able to rely on other people doing, you know, having passion, doing something important, uh, doing something very challenging. So this was an area that, that, uh, that kind of fulfilled all of those where you get to work with great people, um, be a part of something special and, and, uh, and, and work in, in a challenging area. So that, that was, uh, I mean, this opportunity has kind of fulfilled that. When you see yourself long-term, you know, five-year goal, do you see yourself? Uh, uh, people have always asked me, would you ever coach? Because it just seems like something that you would be very good at. And I, I always tell people, Sometimes ex-players don't want to coach because it can be a tricky transition and it's, it's a lot of hours away from family. Is that something you'd ever want to do or is this your path or are you still figuring that out? I would say I'm still very much in the process of figuring that out. I, I can say that when I, you know, towards the end of my career and then right when I got done, I said, uh, you know, I don't know if coaching is really for me, you know, just, and that's another thing, just because if you, if you play ball for a long time, that doesn't mean you would be a great coach. But um, I, I said I thought I always wanted to try something something different or, or move on right. and, and realize that football was such an enormous part of my life and I loved every every minute of it. But then also f find a new challenge. But I can say the more that I'm away from the game, the, m the more I want to be close to the game. So if so, I, I won't uh, I won't say no to coaching. But um, okay. I, I do know that I'm still very much in the process of trying to figure out what's truly next. So how about playing again? Everybody, I still get questions from people. Would you come back? I mean, and I'm half joking, but or, <laughs> or 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 mostly joking. But you look like you could play, obviously. Oh, uh, I if trust me, if I if I could, I would have I would have never stopped. I would have never stopped. I, I I miss it. I miss it so bad. And um, yeah. So unfortunately, I mean. I'm 35. I, th I weigh, I weigh two fifteen right now. Right. <laughs> so I, I lost a lot of weight and it's just, yeah. Unfor unfortunately, if I trust me, if I could, I would be out right. there. And that was an interesting dynamic to me. And I was going to ask you about this later, but uh, we've talked about it now. I remember talking to you, I think even before your press conference, we were just talking about the decision, uh, not for anything I was going to write, but you said over and over again, I didn't want to go out there if I didn't feel like I was at my best. And clearly you could have played at some level, but that mattered so much to you, didn't it? 
that was something that you didn't want to, I guess, uh, cheat the game, cheat teammates, whatever that is. You knew, right? Absolutely. I mean, the thing was, I just, I didn't want to, you'd, you'd seen it, you'd seen it happen so many times before with players who played a long time and their last couple of years, you would just look and say, man, that's, that's not them. And for a lot of different reasons, I, I wanted, I wanted to avoid that just because, right. you know, we, we all know what, what our best is and how we feel when we're at our best. And, and, and if we're not there, it just, it didn't feel right to line up with those guys knowing that I wasn't able to do things that I, that I could before. Uh, so that was, that was the hardest part because you still want to play and you know, you, and like you said, you know, you can play at some level. I feel like I could have played another year, but sure. would, it, would it have been my absolute best? Probably not. Your biggest adjustment after football, I guess you kind of talked about it a little bit, but I remember talking to you last, I guess, summer and you were very candid. Some guys when they walk away say, Oh, I'm great. This has been an adjustment for you that you've worked on, and you've been pretty candid that, hey, I did this for a long time, and something's missing a little bit, and I can deal with it, but it's difficult. And it, it feels like you felt like it was important to be honest with yourself about that. I, I know I, just, I didn't want to hide from the, from the problems that, uh, that can <laughs> right. come up. I mean, because football, yeah. when you play it, I mean, and you're around it, football is it's an addicting drug. And, and right. it takes, I mean, you get every, everything about you. Um, I mean, you're surrounded by it. That's all you think about all day. And then all of a sudden that's taken away and it's hard to not, not, not taken away forcefully, but you decide to move on. I mean, every, every day you thought about it, you thought between how, what time you were going to train, what you were going to eat, what your recovery process. So, I mean, your, your whole, everything was structured around that. Um, and then when that's not there, just being able to find something to, to replicate that structure and order that and passion and, and, and being on a team, right. um, it's, it, it's hard to do. Take me through a quarantine day for pause. What do you like? It, I know you're working at TIA Bank, but I get a feeling most people during the uh, quarantine are Netflix. They're, they're chilling. You don't seem to mean to be a guy who's doing that. You must have something else you're doing quarantine. What? I mean, we try, we try to stay as, as structured as possible. I mean, right, so, right. Still, still get, you of know, course still, you do. <laughs> try, try right. to, um, I mean, so still, you know, wake up early, try to get, you know, 6am or 6:30, wake up to, to, uh, work out in the backyard and, okay. and get up early because then, because then you, you beat the kids out of bed. So you get up early, get your workout done. Then, then, you know, we have our, our four-year-old and three-year-old, they'll get up, um, you know, make breakfast with them. And then if it's, if it's a day that, so with TIA, you know, we're, we're working from home 8.30 or 9.00 AM. We'll, we'll get on, get on, you know, or I guess, you know, log on to our, our company internet and, and get going on, on the day's tasks take a, take a break around lunch, spend some time with the kids and then, and then get back to it. Gotcha. Now I have my version of a backyard workout. I run on the treadmill for 25 minutes. There, there you go. It's something. What's your version of a backyard? I picture your backyard being gold's gym at this point. <laughs> we say, <laughs> it's, it's funny. So I always, well, I always try to separate that. I would always go work out of the gyms and when you're home, you're home. But once this happened, uh, right. You know, my wife said, "Hey, can we get a couple things?" And and so ended up purchasing purchasing some dumbbells and kettlebells. So we have those on the back porch, 
And so I'll go through a routine with, with, with everything that we have back gotcha. there. One question I had was when you move to a new city as you did, when you came from Buffalo in here, it's been 10 years. Um, but you came to Jacksonville maybe not knowing what it was going to be. And now it strikes me that you're a part of Jacksonville. Not everybody has done that in, in the last few years with the organization because it hasn't been that good. But on the field, do you feel a part of the community and are you surprised or uh, are you ever surprised by how much a part of the community you are and how recognized you are, I guess, is the question. I mean, I think to, to, to go with your first part, when, when I first got here, it was, it was strictly because it seemed like it was a great opportunity to, to, to win and play football. Right. right. And, and then the more we had an opportunity to stay, uh, well, you know, my, my wife and I, you know, our three kids were born here. Now we, we view this as, this is home to us and right. we don't want to leave. Um, and that's that's because I mean obviously the the area the people have been out uh, have been unbelievable. I mean you, you feel, especially when you have an opportunity to to play some different places or grow up in different areas, you realize that this is a truly special place where you're surrounded right. surrounded by great people. Obviously, be, weather, the beach, every everything that Jacksonville has to offer, um, it makes it it makes it really really hard to leave. And you still have that type of. Um, I mean, a hometown or small town feel, you know, I mean, Jacksonville is a major, a major city in the Southeast, but you still have, it is, it's a very, you feel like it's a very close knit community. Is, is it ever crazy to think how much a, uh, a decision like that, which you made for certain reasons, sort of shapes life going forward. That's how life works, obviously, but I'm sure at that point you had no idea that, that was how it was going to play out. You're coming here to play football and you, and you sort of found a home. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it speaks a lot about this area. I mean, you, you came here for work because this was right. going to be a great opportunity to play ball. And then all of a sudden, you know, your, your kids start to grow up here and you, may, and you have great friends here. And you say, I, I, don't, I don't know what would really force us to leave. Right. Now, you – there's no football going on now, but I think when I talked to you, maybe in your first fall away, you really didn't watch the games that much, is that correct? Just yes, it was too. It was uh, too. It was too fresh. <laughs> right now, did that change a little bit last year? Are you back to being a little bit of a fan, or is that still difficult? Or where are you at with that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I find myself starting to watch more and more during during last season because you know you, you love the game so much, and I think that it, it's finally set in that um, I'm not going to play anymore. Right, and then once, and then once you you truly, you, it's easy to say that. You know, it was easy to say that in 2018. Oh, I know, I'm done playing. But then deep down, you feel like you could have been out there. You know, now it's at the point where okay, I I know, I know that, that playing football is 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 truly past me. So now, right, I can just I can enjoy watching it and appreciate the great game that it is. It is the I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but. Was the body clock different last fall? Meaning, I'm sure that first fall, everything still sort of cycled around. It's Friday, it's Saturday, it's you know, game days coming up. There was still a little bit of that. Did that go away a little bit? Yes. You know what I'm getting at? Because it's such Absolutely. a schedule, such a routine. Absolutely. I mean, the, the the first year, it was 
No, you, you, you felt, okay, this is, I'm supposed to be in training camp. All right. The, 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 fall, then the right. fall came. Okay. I'm some, I'm supposed to be playing football. And, um, and now I'm at the point where, okay, it, it's, uh, you know, when the fall comes around, it's okay. I'm, I'm taking my daughter, I'm driving my daughter to school in the morning, you know, so right. the, the feeling of, of the change of, of the seasons, uh, it now corresponds with different things. How did your wife handle that first year? Just keep an eye on you a little bit. Hey, you doing okay? I mean, she, she loved it because I was I was home more, you know. Right. And she, I know I know that she she knows that I that I miss it, you know, and especially right. then in the beginning that I, that I really missed it. But she was always very supportive, and I know she it was it was great that we had we had so much more family time than before. Sure, that makes sense. Um, a few football questions that I maybe never asked you, but I think fans love hearing how you guys felt about other players, teammates, et cetera. Best Jaguars player you ever played with? That I ever played with? Wow. I mean, the one – the name that immediately came to mind was Maurice Jones-Drew. Okay. Um, you know, that offensively, I would say. I just, he, was an, he was an unbelievable player. He was great to play with when we were teammates. And, you know, playing against him several times prior to becoming teammates, I obviously had the ultimate respect for him. Daryl Smith on, on defense, I still have, right. I have, I hold him in the highest regard because he was, I mean, I just, when I, when I got to Jacksonville, he was the, he was the leader of the defense, leader of the linebackers, and we all looked up to him uh, just because. What of, made him different? You've talked about him to me before. Um, it strikes me that to get that kind of respect from you, a guy just can't be talented. He's got to be more than that. So he must have been a pro's pro. And I've done a lot of things well that you respected. I mean, absolutely. So true professional when it came to how we approached the game. And then the, the, the on-field aspect, it was just his overall versatility. It, okay. that it, the coaches and players alike knew that whatever you asked him to do, he had the ability to do it and he was going to do it at an extremely high level, regardless of what it was. If it was, well, we need you to rush off the edge this play. He'd say, okay, I can do that. Or, now we need you to cover the tight end, you know, man to man on this play. Okay, I can I can do that. Just the, his his the range of his skill set was so impressive to me that, um, regardless of the situation, he could easily adapt and do it in such a, a smooth way that uh, it was it was just really really impressive to see him play. Did you watch when you were playing? Did you watch a lot of football like other NFL? You can't on Sundays. I get that, but. Did you study other players? If so, were there guys that you particularly admired, be it your position or others? I know when I, especially when first getting into the NFL and then, and then in my career throughout, so I was, for the vast majority of time, I was in a 4-3 defense, very similar to, you know, the old Tampa Bay or Chicago Bears. Right. So when I first got into the NFL, it was, I was given cut-ups of Brian Urlacher. Okay. And, and they, and I was told basically just watch him and try to replicate what he does. And I, <laughs> I continued to, to watch him, you know, throughout his career because he was um, obviously a whole, you know, hall of fame caliber player. And uh, so to learn from him and to watch him, he was a guy that, that I really, really paid attention to. Gotcha. Anybody else in terms of just uh, maybe not at your position that you admired, respected for any other reason? I mean, there were, there were so many guys that, when you look back and you say, wow, they, they, they really did things right. I think when right. I, going back to my time in Buffalo, Kyle Williams, who, who was a 
right. you know, interior D lineman. So I had a close relationship with him, but then, um, you know, would watch him throughout our career. And then when I got, got to Jacksonville, still kept an eye on him to see how he was performing because he was another guy, true professional, but then highly skilled and then just played with such pass, passion and aggressiveness on the field. It was something that you could, you could appreciate regardless of what team you were on. Got you. Something I've never asked you, I can't believe I haven't because I've talked to you so often over the years. Um, when somebody would draw up a Penn State linebacker, it would probably be modeled after you. You know, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> it, it, I know you're not going to take that, but um, when you were a kid, was that always a goal, a dream? And if so, when do you first remember thinking, man, I want to play football at Penn State? This is good, you know, because you're sort of the dictionary definition of it. I know you're not going to say that, but was that always the case? When I was – so, I mean, I loved Penn State, especially because when I was – when I first truly started to appreciate football and love the game, that's LeVar Arrington and Brandon Short were playing linebacker at Penn State at that time. Courtney Brown was playing DN. So, you know, great Penn State football teams. When, I will say, though, when, I, when it was time, if I could have had the ultimate would to go play for – was to go play for Notre Dame. Is that right? Okay. Um, I didn't get recruited by them. Wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough to go to Notre Dame at, at that time. And, th- and, you know, thankfully had an opportunity to play at Penn State. And it, it all worked out the way it should. But and I, I can remember when I was, you know, sophomore, junior in high school, I said, man, to play, to play college ball for the Fighting Irish, that would be, that would be unbelievable. Right. Obviously, I'd, I'd loved my time at, at linebacker U. Um, but it was uh, – there, there was a transition there that, uh, you know, that – that was, uh, you know, Notre Dame football was always kind of the this this legendary, sure. this legendary idea, and it, it would have been exciting to be a part of that. But like I said, I, I, I for with Penn State, I bleed blue and white now. Where you grew up to go to Penn State was that a big deal? Was that uh, the goal, the dream for people that you were around? Yeah, I mean, yeah, in, in Western Pennsylvania, Penn State football is is huge. Right. I mean, obviously, there's there's an enormous uh, draw to the Pittsburgh Steelers, but then after that, it's it's Penn State football. That's got to be pretty cool. Your last big moment, big game was beating the Steelers up there. That's a pretty good way to go out, right? Do that, you know, to go up there twice in that in that right. season and beat them twice. Unbelievable experience. I was going to ask you about that season, that run, as I was. You sort of preparing this and thinking about your career. While it could have ended better had you won two more games, that had to be almost an ideal way to finish it off. You know, I mean, without that, I would think it would have been a lot tougher to walk away. Absolutely. I mean, you think you f- to to finally have an opportunity. So to win the AFC South, you know, um, have a have a great run in the playoffs and being being so close to the to the big one, but. Just the fact that you you know it was you were able to to end knowing that um, finally had that success that you're that you were after your entire career that it, it was it was it was a great way it was a great way to to end a career. The players, the teammates, made no bones about that. Part of what was special to them was allowing you to go through it. That had to be pretty cool too, right? That was that was awesome. I was so appreciative of that. You know about how the, the the guys, 
Um, I mean, I guess you can, you kind of get a sense of, of, of things in the locker room and, and uh, players across the board from, you know, I remember Marquise Lee, you know, to Calais Campbell, you, you have a, a, a young up and coming star versus a, a seasoned veteran right. who were, they would uh, talk to me all the time about that. You know, it was, so that it was a special run because of that, because of the players and the people involved. Only two guys played for Del Rio, Gus, and Doug Marone. And that was you and Mercedes. I guess the question is you saw a lot. And you saw a lot of weird times, tough times, good times. Um, you know, I'm not even sure what I'm asking, but does it strike you that you saw a lot with this organization? We, we went through a lot of changes. And it's, uh, <laughs> I feel like you can only, you can only really appreciate it you know, the, the challenges and, you know, and the highs and lows that we experience when you, when you talk to some other guys and you say, they say, yeah, I played seven or eight years and I had the same coach the whole time. That wasn't, you know, that wasn't the environment that we were in at, at that time. So it, it, the great thing is it provided you with a lot of learning opportunities to see how, see how things were done, how different people right. did things, um, formed a lot of relationships you know, with, with great people that for, for different reasons, they got, they, they got to stay or they didn't. But um, yeah, so it was, it was an interesting experience for sure. People could look at it and say, wow, you played for the Jaguars during a lot of tough years. And there was probably more losing than there was winning. Mm-hmm. Um, boy, don't you wish you'd sign somewhere else. But from talking to you, it never seemed like that was ever the case. And maybe it was the dedication to the call, you know, that that just wasn't what made you tick. But no regrets about ever signing here, were there? No, not at all. Not at all. I think because, I mean, when you think about, yeah, so we didn't have a, we didn't win a ton. But when it's all said and done, um, I mean, I don't remember what our record was during our time here. But I do know that they had an opportunity to meet some unbelievable people to make some great relationships, to find a permanent, a place that you can call a permanent home. Right. Uh, to, be, to be surrounded by great fans and have great experiences. And in the end, that's going to mean more than, than the amount of games that, that you won. You know, so that, those right. are going to be the, 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 the things that last forever is, are the people, the experiences and relationships that you form in those aspects were all unbelievable here. See, I've known you long enough now, almost 10 years, believe it or not, where I can remember when Paul Pazlesny Hercules got to Jacksonville with a hair. <laughs> Ever any thought during the quarantine of going back to that? I mean, I haven't got a haircut in, in, in eight weeks now. So <laughs> my, my, my wife actually asked me, said, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm just going to, I'll just keep growing it out like, it, like it's 2012 again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so no thought of going back to that, but not quite that far. No, there, there's, there's too many bad stages between how, how short it is now and long hair down to your shoulders. It's, it's not worth it. <laughs> That's right. It was down to your shoulders when you first got here, wasn't it? Yeah. That was quite a story when you came back that year. Yeah. Yeah, that was a <laughs> different time. It's hard to believe that that it, – no, it's hard to believe that. So we've been doing this for 10 years. It's amazing yeah. how quickly – I mean, you, you say it all the time. All the time flies, but – That's unbelievable. It's gone by fast. Well, Paul, I could do this forever. I can't thank you enough for joining us. 
I can't thank you enough for sharing your thoughts on uh, on our retirement and, and how difficult that is because although you talk about it, you talk about it very well, very candidly, it's something that I do think when people hear it, I think it'll be very interesting to people. So I appreciate you sharing that and everything else today. And uh, I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for spending that. Hopefully I get to see you this fall. All right. Well, I want to thank Paul Pizlosi for giving us some time. Uh, and it is always appreciated, these guests. They all have other lives, they all have things going on, but they're willing to talk to us for a while, and it's kind of cool. And I know for Dave, uh, that was maybe the best 25, 30 minutes of your life since the wedding, or, I mean, it's up there, right? You're a big pod guy. It's up there. I would say top five, definitely. So it's like marriage, birth of kids, and then pause kind of weaved in there somewhere. No, I do. Paul Pozlesny, when it comes to, like, all-time favorite Jaguar players – he may be, I mean, he is like one, two, or three, or a combination of all three. He is, well, so, so I got to explain the background of it first, sure. of why I'm a big fan. So I grew up a Penn State fan. Uh, my family was from up there. My brother went there. My dad went there. So linebacker you. And Paz, Paz and I are about the same age, or are the same age. Um, and when I was, I went to college at UCF. And he was at Penn State at the same time. So, like, I still was, like, had an eye on Penn State and what they were doing. Sure. And Paz was a two-time Benedict Award winner there at Penn State, and he was awesome. He wore 31, which is also kind of a Penn State thing because there was a linebacker there in the 80s named Shane Conlon, who in the NAS championship game had the big interception to basically end it. All right, he did. In, what, 86, I think it was? Also drafted by the Bills. There we go. So you, more you know. Um, so that was cool. And plus it was like like before he was the last of – well, I guess Navarro Bowman came after him. But the line of like it was uh, LeVar Arrington and uh, Brandon Short. And then then there was somebody else. Then Sean Lee was at the same time as, as Paz. It was just like he was the – And, of course, Jack Ham. Jack – well, I that was – when I was <laughs> I was not born when Jack Ham played, but that's right. cool. My dad knows I, Jack Ham. Sure. Uh, so and also like I mean, look at him when he came to Jacksonville with the locks and the hair and Hercules. He, I mean, he was he was the man, and they played well here. Yeah. And uh, and also now working, I guess I, don't, I always think it's working with him. I guess you know as a player, sure. as a player, and your was, capacity very much is to explain to people. In your capacity, I talked to him in the locker room very similarly to when I was a newspaper reporter. So it, it's not significantly different. You came from TV for a long time. You were shooting behind a camera with these guys and got to know them a little bit. But now with the Jaguars, you approach them for things like mic'd up segments. Yeah. You're more of a producer where you talk to these guys and get to know them a little better. And I don't want to speak for you, but I know from my experience with Paz, that's where he's terrific in terms of the professionalism, in terms of he treats everybody with a great deal of respect, which in any walk of life is it is not a given. And was always very nice, very cordial, very, you know, always asked you how you were doing, how's your family. Right. And the other part of it too is we both had our first kid about the same time. So we were sure during that whole thing we were talking about, you know, Find crib, putting together cribs and toys and getting rooms ready. And uh, so I always appreciate him. I think he's a good, 
good dude. And, uh, and it was fun to hear him talk about it, talk today. And uh, my heart was a flutter. I thought, Dave, what was interesting to hear Paz talk about this, uh, one reason why the media, I think, enjoyed Paz so much when he was there is, it, is his willingness. When you asked him a question, he always tried to give you a thoughtful answer for the most part. And that held true after a lot of tough losses, held true in a lot of tough times. But uh, hearing him talk about retirement as candidly as he does, here's a guy with, uh, I mean, most people who meet him would think if anybody could adjust to life after football, it was going to be pause. He, he had a plan. I definitely see him being a coach at some point, but right now his, his plan is that he wants to use his education. He was ready to take that step, and I'm sure had thought about it, had contacts, the whole works. He's very candid that it's a struggle. It, it's tough when, especially for somebody like him who I was never around him when he was working out or training, but you can only imagine that he had a plan every day off season. He was going to be working out at this point. Like he said, he was going to be eating this. And when your whole life is geared toward that and your identity as a player and you live for those Sundays, anything gets taken away from you. It's an adjustment. Football, especially because it's, it's such a unique any sport. That was fascinating to me. As I think we talked about, uh, we were talking about this, I can't imagine him not being a coach at some point. I think he'll be a great coach. I think my anticipation is that he'll be a defensive coordinator within six or seven years and that he'll be a head coach. He's 35 now. I think he'll be a head coach in the NFL by the time he's 45 or 46. I think he will be on the fast track. He will be great at it. And uh, I look forward to watching it. But the biggest thing I took away as a Paz fan is wanted to go to Notre Dame. What's up with that, dude? You grew up in Pennsylvania. Didn't want to go to Penn State? <laughs> kind of went down a notch in my book. I mean, nah, Western Pennsylvania, that Notre Dame's got a strong appeal. I get Notre Dame, but come on, man. Come on. Right. So that hurts you. It hurt a well, little bit. He didn't go to UCF, and that bothers you too. So that's true. That's true. So, <laughs> all right. Well, the final segment today. Um, and we're going to try moving forward. I'm not sure this will be the question every week. We're going to work on this and see if we can get it right. The Ozone 5, It's we're going to talk to each guest, ask them five quick questions, try to get a little bit into their, first, into their personality, have some fun with it. So right now, to close the show, The Ozone 5 with Paul Pazlaz. The Ozone 5. Five. Five. Paul, last binge watch. Outlander. On Netflix. I'm watching it with my wife right now. Just about through season four. What's in your pockets on a normal day when you leave the house? You go through the checklist. It's, it's wallet, phone, keys. That, that, that's all I need. <laughs> Last station or song listened to in your car? Last station would be uh, 99.9 Gator Country, for sure. Last chore you did around the house? Did the dishes this morning. And uh, your go-to takeout? Al's Pizza. When you tell people that you had to do the Ozone podcast, what are you going to tell them? I'm going to say that I, I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> Good lie. Uh, we appreciate it as always, and I do look forward to seeing you again, buddy.
Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, that's it for the Ozone Podcast. I want to thank Joe Fortunato for putting all this together. Thank Dave Buchanan for being Dave. We appreciate everybody listening and hope it didn't suck. <laughs>